0: Welcome to the Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of the Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with the birth of Samuel as we pick up in 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 19. And now with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck.
1: They come up saying, This is the baby that we prayed for. This is the child. And and we have these same kind of experiences. A lot of little miracle babies around here where God has answered the prayer and has blessed the home with children. And She was excited. She said, oh, my Lord, I'm the woman. I'm the woman that was here. And it was for this child that I prayed. And the Lord has given me my petition that I have asked of him. Therefore, I am giving him back to the Lord. As long as he lives, he shall be the Lord's. And he worshiped the Lord there. Now, this is where we get the dedication of babies on Sunday morning. It is more or less following this same pattern of Hannah. We've asked God to bless, to give us children recognizing that these children are gifts from God, we bring them back to God and say, God, you have given us this child, but we want to give this child to you for your purposes, that the child might serve you all the days of their life. That your purposes and your will might be accomplished within the child. And so the dedication of our babies unto the Lord. Now, I do not know of any scriptural basis for baptizing babies. I do not know of a single scriptural proof for the baptism of babies. I really believe that baptism is more an act of a conscious adult. There are two scriptures really that deal with baptism. The one is repent and be baptized. Now, I've yet to meet one of these little babies that has repented. (laughs) In Mark's gospel, it says, he that believeth and is baptized. And they really don't have yet enough intelligence to believe. Now, it doesn't mean that the child would be lost if it died. I believe that a child within a Christian home is saved if it dies before an age of accountability. And I believe that 1 Corinthians, the 7th chapter, teaches this. That the believing wife or husband, either of them, being a believer, the child is covered by the believing parent. Else would your children be unclean, but now Paul said they are holy. So the faith of a believing parent covers for that child. You say, but what about an unbelieving parent? That I don't know. The Bible is silent. I must be silent. You say, but wouldn't it be fair? Well, God will do what's ever fair. But the Bible doesn't say specifically. I can't say specifically. I believe that God will be fair. I'm sure that he'll be fair. I know he'll be fair. And I rest my case there in the righteousness and the fairness of God. God will be absolutely fair in all of his judgments. There's not one person going to get a bad deal before the judgment bar of God. There's not one person going to be able to walk away and say, that isn't fair. God will deal justly with every case and every extenuation in each case. The justice of God is something that I am absolutely convinced of. The absolute righteousness of the judgments of God. The justice of man is something I have little belief in. I cry with the crowd, there ain't no justice. But that's only speaking from a human standpoint. But from the divine standpoint, the absolute righteousness of the judgment of God is something that I have no question about whatsoever. And thus I'm not really worried about those people that have never heard of Jesus Christ or the babies who die or whatever. I know that God is going to be absolutely righteous and fair in His judgments. So I I just rest it there. But babies, scripturally, can be dedicated or presented to God. Now, in the New Testament, when Jesus was born, they came and offered the sacrifices for uh, the firstborn child, and they presented him unto the Lord. And the priest lifted him up in his hands and blessed him, and And said, now, Lord, let thy servant die in peace, for you've allowed me to see your salvation. But again, the idea of here's my child, Lord, I present him to you, that you might use this life for whatever purposes, that your influences might come upon this child and lead and guide him as he grows and as develops. And Lord, I give him back to you all the days of his life. And I think it's a marvelous gesture on the part of a parent. We dedicated all of our children to the Lord. Actually, between us, dedicated them to the Lord before they were ever born. Now, it is true that when they get old enough, they've got to make their own commitments and their own decisions. The fact that we dedicated them to the Lord doesn't follow that they are going to consent to that dedication when they get old enough to do what they want. But hopefully, by that time, we have given enough spiritual input and all that when they are older, they will not depart from that faith that they have gained while growing up under our tutorage. So it is more than just dedicating. there is a responsibility as parents to train up the child or to catechize the child in the ways of the Lord, to teach them to instruct them in the ways of the Lord, so that as they go older, these will be things that have been planted in their hearts and minds deeply, become a part of their very thinking processes. Now, the prayer of Hannah does express a depth of spirituality. And Hannah prayed and said, My heart rejoiceth in the Lord. Evidently, Mary was familiar with this prayer of Hannah because. Actually, the rejoicing of Mary when she came to her cousin Elizabeth when she was expecting Jesus is much the same pattern as this of Hannah. Mary said, My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit doth rejoice, for he hath regarded the low estate of his handmaid. And she goes on, and you might want to compare the third chapter of, or the second chapter of Luke there. Uh, the, the rejoicing of, of Mary called the Magnificat with this praising of Hannah. Hannah prayed and said, My heart rejoices in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth is enlarged over mine enemies because I rejoice in thy salvation. There is none holy as the Lord, for there is none beside thee, neither is there any rock like our God. Talk no more so exceedingly proudly, Exceeding proudly, let not arrogancy come out of your mouth for the Lord is a God of knowledge and by him actions are weighed. Heavy statement. By God actions are weighed. It isn't enough to do the right thing. You can do the right thing with the wrong attitude and it counts for nothing because God weighs Your actions, that is what motivates your actions. Jesus said, Take heed to yourself that you do not your righteousness before men to be seen of men, for I say unto you, ye have your reward. We are told that one day the secrets of the hearts are going to be judged or or weighed. God knows why you have done a certain thing. Now, there are people who pray, but they only pray in order to be seen of men. And thus, their prayers really don't count as far as God is concerned. They have their reward. There are some people who give with such an ostentatious way so that their name will be on a placard or something. Or on a, well, I won't say it. But so that they might have their name, you know, up here that's, you know, my pew that I bought or my chair or whatever, you know, and, and, and they give in order to advertise their name. Now, when you get to heaven and, and you come before the Lord and the Lord goes through the books, you say, wait a minute, Lord, you're forgetting something. My name was, was on that stained glass window. We paid a lot of money for that stained glass window, Lord. I don't see it on your records here. And he'll say, nope, it isn't on the records here. <laughs> Why not, Lord? I, man, that cost me a pretty penny. He'll say, you had your reward. Everybody that walked past that window saw your name. And they said, oh, isn't that marvelous? He gave a stained glass window to the church. Now, some people give in order to be seen of men. Your motive is wrong. God weighs the actions why did I do it, is really more important than what I do. Your attitude is far more important than your actions. So, acknowledging that by Him are all of our actions weighed, the bows of the mighty men are broken, and they that stumbled are girded with strength. They that were full have hired themselves out for bread, and they that were hungry ceased." So that the barren hath borne seven, and she that hath many children is waxed feeble. Now, I do detect in Hannah's prayer here uh, a little bit of gloating over that woman that troubled her for so long. The Lord killeth and maketh alive. He bringeth down to the grave and bringeth up. The Lord maketh the poor and he maketh the rich. He bringeth low and he lifteth up. He raises up the poor out of the dust. He lifts the beggar out from the dunghill and sets them among princes to make them inherit the throne of glory. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's, and he has set the world upon them. Now, it is foolish to take this picturesque speech of Hannah and to say that the Bible teaches the ancient theory that the earth was set upon pillars because she uses this figure of speech and speaks of the pillars of the earth and the world set upon them. It's only picturesque figures of speech, and it is not a a kind of a divine revelation at all. He will keep the feet of his saints, and the wicked shall be silent in darkness, for by strength shall no man prevail. Here again is, I think, a very important scripture. He will keep the feet of his saints. In the Psalms, Uh, A lot is said about keeping the feet of the saints. The 71st Psalm, my feet almost slipped. I almost had it. The walking in slippery places. Keeping the feet of his saints. Keeping me from falling, actually. For by strength shall no man prevail. What a valuable truth. For by strength, that is by a man's own strength, you will never prevail. I am strongest when I am aware of my weakness. I am at my weakest point when I think I am strong. When I think I've got this wired, Lord, I don't need any help from you. I'm able to make it just by myself. You don't need to hold my hand, Lord. Just let me do it on my own. There's no problems here. That's when I'm at my most vulnerable position. When I'm standing there and saying, Lord, I, I don't think I can, Lord, I know I can't make it. Lord, help me. I know that I'm not going to be able to make it through this one. Lord, I need your help. That's when I'm at my strongest position. For by strength shall no man prevail. By your own strength you'll never No real victory. It is only as we learn to rely and trust in the strength of the Lord that we are really strong. Now we go into a little bit of history of Eli's sons, and they were real rats. Eli was the high priest, and his sons were greedy. They were priests representing God, but they were bad representatives. Now, it was a custom in those days when you would offer your sacrifice to the Lord, you would, you would be, it was actually there were feasts. You would sacrifice the lamb, they would cut it up, they'd burn the fat as a burnt offering, the smoke would ascend up to God, and then uh, they would uh, oftentimes uh, then boil the meat, and then you would eat it. You'd sit down and more or less eating with God. But as the meat was being boiled, the priests would come along and they had little hooks little forks with three hooks, and they'd reach in and pull out, and whatever they got out was theirs. That became the priest's pay almost. It was sort of the salary for the priest. just put their forks in and pull out, you know, from the food that was cooking, and whatever came out, they had. But Eli's sons would come to them while they were just cutting up, butchering the meat, and they'd say, we don't want, Boiled meat, we want to roast stars. We want to take ours now And the people say, well be sure and, and take the fat and offer it to the Lord They said, hey, don't give us a bad time if You don't want to give us to it now We'll take it by force So they were bullying the people The effect of it was That men began to abhor the offering of the Lord Down in verse 17 Verse 17 So the sin of the young men were great because it caused people to begin to resent their offerings to the Lord. What a horrible sin that actually is. Where you turn people off from God because of your attitude. Because of greed and your own greed. You cause people to blaspheme. I really don't know who got me started on these evangelists' (laughs) lists. But these evangelists sell their lists to each other. And so you get on one, and pretty soon you get on all. Because they'll sell their lists to each other. They'll do anything for a buck. And so it seems that I'm getting more and more letters Dear brother, a mutual friend told me about you. And I felt led of the Lord to write and to share with you my needs. Now I'm enclosing a page of the Bible because the Word of God is so powerful. If you'll just write your request in this page and wrap it up and send it back to me. Enclose your offering in the page also. And I'll take your request before the Lord and I'll pray for you because the Lord tells me there's something wrong You've got a problem in your life There's something that's not quite right You know, what is it, brother? Share with me The other day, a telegram came Urgent, please send $10 immediately I'll explain everything later (laughs) I've built a cross Send me the names of four people That you want nailed to that cross and enclose an offering of 15 to $20. Can you believe it? It's unreal. Now these men, their sin is really terrible. It's awful. Because they cause people to blaspheme God. They are deceivers. They prey upon people who have become more or less senile, living on pensions. And they are nothing but rip-off artists. And their sin is as the sin of the sons of Eli who caused people to abhor the sacrifice and the worship of God. Now Samuel began to do little errands around the temple and his mother made him a little linen robe like the priest. And though he was just a little tyke, yet he, he began to wear the robes of a priest and, uh, and began to do the errands around there. And I imagine was just a cute little guy to see. There in his linen robe and, and going around and doing some of the little duties uh, around there. I imagine it was really quite a, quite a sight. And every year... His mother would make a little coat for him, and when she would come up each year to sacrifice, she would bring him a new coat, a little bit bigger naturally than the year before, and visit with him there. So Eli, the priest, blessed Elkanah, his father, that is Samuel's father, with his wife, and said, The Lord give thee seed of this woman for the loan which is lent to the Lord. And they went to their own home, and God blessed Hannah And she conceived and had three other sons and two daughters. And the child Samuel grew before the Lord. Now, Eli was an old man, and he heard the things that his sons did. How that actually they were lying with the women right there at the gate of the temple. They were just perverse. Though they were supposedly representing God as a priest... Yet they were immoral, they were crooked, they were real rats. And so their dad said, why do you do such things? I hear of your evil dealings from all these people. My son, it's not a good report that I I hear you make the Lord's people to transgress. If one man sins against another, the judge shall judge him. But if a man sins against the Lord, who is going to pray for him, notwithstanding They did not hearken unto the voice of their father because the Lord would slay them. In other words, they had gone so far, the Lord was wanting to wipe them out and therefore they just didn't listen to their dad. But the child Samuel grew on and was in favor both with the Lord and also with men. Now there came a man of God to Eli and prophesied to him how that God had promised to place the high priesthood into the house of Aaron forever.
0: We'll return with more of our verse-by-verse Bible study in the book of 1 Samuel on our next broadcast as Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible. And we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order 1 Samuel 1-2 through when visiting the wordfortoday.org. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck.
1: May the Lord be with you and bless you and watch over you during the week. May your love and commitment to God grow day by day. May we each one consider what we are giving to God and how we give it, that we might render unto God that which is pleasing and acceptable in His sight of our time, of our service, of our abilities, of our substance. God bless you. In Jesus' name.
0: This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California.
1: I just got the Word for Today Bible, and I'm really enjoying the commentaries by Pastor Chuck. Listen to this one from the book of Joshua. You see, God has already gone before me. God is already there tomorrow. Joshua is telling them, tomorrow God is going to do wonders in your eyes. And that's the thing that I need to hold in my mind.
0: Yeah, that's really good. I have one too from the book of Nehemiah.
1: So they read in the book of the law of God distinctly and then they gave the sense and caused them to understand the reading. That's what expository teaching is all about. That's what we have devoted our ministry to, the study of God's word. The Word for Today Bible is available in leather and paperback editions with more commentaries by Pastor Chuck. Simply teaching the Word of God. For more information, please call The Word for Today at 1-800-272-WORD. You can read a preview of The Word for Today Bible by visiting thewordfortoday.org.